the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. exclusive update on Lita's condition. We're going to be going to a medical facility to, to, to get this update. But now standing by, the man that was involved in the match, the man that wrestled King last week, uh, Gene Snitsky. And Mr. Snitsky, you requested this time to talk about your involvement in last week's terrible accident involving uh, Lita and King. Yes, I did, JR. I'm here to clear my name. People have been blaming me all week for what happened with Kane and Lita. It wasn't my fault. Well, I can only assume that uh, prior to the match that you were very nervous before you wrestled King. Nervous? I wasn't nervous. I was there to do a job, and I did it. Well, uh, Mr. Snitsky, uh, I would have to say that you certainly have to feel uh, some remorse as look, to what transpired last week. Look, I already told you, it's not my fault. Any other questions? Uh, no, sir. I, I think uh, we pretty much covered it. Up with Mr. Snitsky, who had this to say. I say this to you, Kane, and I say this to you, Lita. And I'm only going to say it once. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you lost the baby, okay? But just for the record, it's not my fault. And if you have a problem with that, you can find me right here next week on Raw. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is your host, J.P. John Paz. And today on the two-man power trip, it is a feature episode, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. And of course, today, our guest is a former WWE superstar. It wasn't his 
fault. Schnitzky himself, Gene Schnitzky, joins the show. It's been a long time coming to get him on the show. Was absolutely a huge fan all the way back to when he debuted in the WWE and had that first match with Kane. And you kind of didn't know what to expect. You're just like, who is this huge monster, scary looking dude? He's fighting Kane. He doesn't really get an entrance, but something's up here. It didn't seem like your typical squash guy, your typical enhancement match. And all of a sudden he hits Kane and Kane hits Lita, who's pregnant at the time with Kane's baby and basically uh, she has a miscarriage because of that incident so Schnitzky basically it's his fault but he gets interviewed in the back and he says and we learn in the interview he says it was just off the cuff he says it wasn't my fault she shouldn't have been in the ring so Stephanie McMahon gets a hold of that she was one of the writers at the time and Dan Madigan was one of the writers at the time and they're writing and producing the segments they said that was gold that was great keep it going we want you to keep mentioning that over and over it wasn't my fault so I mean it really got over and became a huge catchphrase to the point of where he said people say to him today five or ten times a day I'll run into people that recognize him and they'll say it wasn't my fault it's not my fault it's like you know they'll they'll reiterate that catchphrase back to him and that's amazing all these you know 16 17 years later it's just amazing to kind of go back and, and think about that cool cool stuff for sure and at that time you're like shocked by what kind of the developments of it. you're like okay well i guess this guy schnitzky is here to stay and i guess <laughs> he killed kane and lita's baby and uh, he's going to be known as the baby killer and you hear the crowd chanting baby killer and stuff like that and then obviously the big feud with kane and anytime you're feuding with kane who is a big mainstay of the WB, one of Vince's favorites and one of the, the crowd's favorites for many, many years, had such a long, long run there. So anytime you get a big time long feud with Kane, that cannot be bad. You know what I mean? It's just great for your character and it's great for you as a wrestler. And Schnitzky says in the interview, even on top of that, Kane, Glenn Jacobs, is one of his favorite wrestlers of all time. So that just adds to it even further. It made that feud that much better to him. At first, he's a face, and then he's a heel, and they don't even explain to him what he's supposed to be. He has a great, great story about how he's in OVW a week later doing drills and still doing training because he thought it was a one-and-done. He didn't think he'd be a part of Raw any further. So then all of a sudden, Bing Bang Boom, Dreamer, who was down there at OVW at the time, runs in the ring and says, hey, man, I'm not ribbon. Get out there. you got to catch a plane and, and go and get to Raw. You you know, you're a mainstay now. You're going to be a character on Raw, and you have to do a follow-up to the, the miscarriage angle. So he has a great story about catching the plane, missing a plane, missing a plane, missing a connection, having to take the corporate jet for the one and only time. And then, you know, making raw, being completely sweaty and kind of going over and reviewing what he needed to do and say on the plane. And then you get to raw and you kind of have to explain yourself in that great storyline. And of course, in the interview, we go all through the feud. You know, they have a match at Taboo Tuesday, New Year's Revolution. They have the cage match on raw. We go through the whole thing of the highlight reel with Chris Jericho, how Lita was on, and then Kane punched the baby. Have an unbelievable Vince McMahon story, how he literally just told him, do not fuck this up. And he had a whole kind of speech to Schnitzky about how he wanted it done and how he wanted the angle to play out. So I just think that is just great stuff. And we'll get kind of behind the scenes look at not only Stephanie McMahon, but of Vince McMahon as well. We will talk about that creepy, weird, homoerotic angle that they shot that backstage promo with Heidenreich where he says I love what you do with babies and Schnitzky goes I you know I love your poetry and we 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 go into that as well we talk about his foot fetish gimmick we talk about the new gimmick where he becomes that psycho madman with the yellow teeth the marks in his face the bald head the no eyebrows we go through the new ECW run and we even talk about why he was released from the WB in 2008 course we'll get into a john cena main eventing raw and kind of everything in between we'll also talk about kind of what he's doing today in, in the movie world and the acting world and his great film that he's going to have out and that he actually does have out which you can check out you hear all about that in the interview and of course you'll also hear about swf resurgence which is saturday 10 10 in colts neck new jersey go to swf live pro wrestling on facebook for more information about that of course on 10 11 at 10 a.m with knS wrestlefest schnitzky will have a virtual signing there as well you can check knS wrestlefest out on facebook and facebook 
live. So without any further ado, going to send on over to a great interview with Gene Schnitzky. Remember, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't my fault. Joining us on the line right now is a former WWE superstar. You may know him from his awesome catchphrase. It wasn't his fault. He is Schnitzky, a.k.a. Gene Schnitzky. Welcome in to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, and it wasn't my fault, and everybody knows that. <laughs> Very true. Now, this Saturday coming up, the SWF has a big show called Resurgence, and that will be in Colts Neck, New Jersey. Tell us all about this big show you got coming up on Saturday the 10th. Well, I don't want to give it all away so that the people actually come to see the show. Uh, first time wrestling this year, actually, due to the COVID stuff. So really excited to get out there for SWF. My buddy Rob, the promoter, looking forward to seeing him. Getting back, uh, you know, back out there entertaining the fans. But uh, just really, really excited to get back in the flow and, you know, get back at it and entertain the fans. Now, what have you been doing? You know, obviously, you know, you said first match back. What have you been doing with this whole pandemic thing and, you know, as far as staying in shape and doing all those things? Well, I have a gym in my basement. My wife and I uh, lovingly call it the dungeon because it's basically a dungeon. It waits. So I haven't missed the workout. We've been working out the whole time. And uh, I actually got involved with a friend of mine's uh, surplus business so uh, we are we have priority one surplus in Hamburg Pennsylvania so that pretty much occupies all my time nice and of course as far as SWF resurgence they will be if you check out their Facebook SWF live pro wrestling and they got all the information there as far as Colts Neck New Jersey Saturday the 10th big show I know uh, ESS promotions Eric Sims go to ESSpromotions.com. he will be there as well then you've got a virtual signing coming up on Sunday with K&S. What do you think about these virtual signing things that are going on now? I mean, this is different. Well, I mean, unfortunately, in the world we live in right now, it's just what you have to do to keep uh, keep your face out there and, you know, talk to the fans and interact with the fans. So, I mean, I don't mind it. It's, uh, you know, not as uh, intimate as, like, actually going to a convention or going to an autograph signing or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But, hey, you know, you got to keep everybody safe. So, in that way, it's good, I guess. But, you know, I'd also like to interact with the fans, you know, in person. But got to do what you have to do for now. But, I mean, I'm not against it. It is just interesting, like, like what the promoters have done, and they created this, you know, virtual world. And it's actually been pretty popular for the most part. Um, and K&S has a really uh, good one on their Facebook stream. So, like I said, go to K&S WrestleFest Facebook, and you could do the virtual signing. I just think it's so, like, uh, crafty by these promoters. I mean, they don't uh, think of anything, right? Yeah, it's I agree. Good. I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, like I said, you have to keep the fans entertained. You don't want to just kind of, you know, disappear and then all of a sudden come back and be like, hey, we have a show. So, you know, you, you want to stay out there and, and keep your face out there. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, pro wrestling. We always find a way to do something creative and, and entertain the fans. So I'm yes. uh, excited, excited to be on the show, excited to do the, the virtual reality type thing. So, yeah, I look forward to it. Someday it's going to be fun. 
As far as you, and you said this is kind of your first match and stuff like that, how many matches do you wrestle a year? Are you still very active in the scene, you know, obviously outside of the COVID stuff? Uh, I think I had I think I had about eight shows booked up through March or April. So I stay out there pretty – like I had conventions. I do conventions, uh, like uh, comic cons, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm not – always wrestling physically in the ring. There's other things I do, you know, with the appearances and the signings and stuff that, you know, keep me out there. But I lost, uh, I think it was three, three actual shows and like five autograph signings because of this. So, you know, everybody kind of got, you know, uh, sidetracked, you know, with uh, the COVID going on. So you got to kind of just ride it out and, see what happens, but yeah, I know a lot of people had to, you know, cancel bookings or cancel shows, and, you know, it's frustrating, but, you know, like I said, the, the pro wrestling business is pretty crafty. I'm sure they'll find a way to move on and move forward, but, you know, the boys want to work and the boys want to entertain, so hopefully, uh, you know, the people will come back and not be scared, but uh, I look forward to seeing all the fans Saturday, tomorrow for SWF and Colts Nick and uh, hopefully the weather is nice and we get a good crowd. I think there's over 150 pre-sales already from what I saw. So it's, that's exciting. Yeah. Nice. I think the fans are definitely wanting to get back out there in person and see it. Cause I think pro wrestling is better in person. Not really. I know that V does this virtual reality Thunderdome thing where the, the fans are watching it via the screen, but it's much better when you're, you're watching it live and in person. I definitely agree. As far as V and, and how you got in there, I think, like you said at the top, you know, it's not my fault, and that awesome catchphrase, how that kind of caught fire. How did you actually get into the WWE? Well, I trained at the Wild Small and Forest Training Center here in Allentown, uh, and just basically picked it up really fast. You know, I, was a, I played pro football and, and Division One football before I got into wrestling, so I was always, you know, athletic, and, you know, just from the, the – years of all the football and, you know, all that kind of stuff and being coached and playing athletics and stuff. It was just a natural transition for me. Like I, I, you know, picked it up fast from, we call him pops off of Anawaii, one half of the wild Samoans. He was one of my, you know, my trainer and uh, Samu, you know, his son, Samu and his other son, Lloyd, they pretty much all uh, took me under their wing and, and helped develop me. And then when I was ready, Pops uh, hooked me up with a uh, dark match up at Wilkesboro for Raw. And let's see, four months later, I got signed to my contract and I moved out to Louisville and started training at OVW and doing OVW shows. And then was fortunate enough to get a call to work out with Fit Finley at OVW for some storyline they had. They were looking for a guy. So wrestled Fit probably. 10, 12 times that day, just, you know, different scenarios of different matches and all that kind of stuff, and just calling stuff on the fly. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to to impress them and pass the test, and they uh, called me up to do the, the Kane and Lita angle, and the rest is history, so to speak. That Kane and Lita angle, was that supposed to be one and done, or was that really like the start of the Gene Schnitzky character? Well, from what I was told, it was originally they wanted to bring me in, see what kind of reaction I got, put me back at OVW, and then revisit it later. So it just, you know, as soon as I hit Glenn with the chair, I could hear the people start chanting, baby, killer. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, it was an uh, interesting few weeks there because they, they had uh, failed to get my booking for the next week at Raw. So I literally was in the ring at OVW and Joe's and Tommy Dreamer's like, Hey Snitsky, you gotta get to the airport. You gotta go raw. I'm like, Yeah, okay, Tommy. I thought he was ribbing me. So I kept training and he literally had to come up into the ring and like stop my drill. He's like, Snitsky, go to the you gotta go to the airport. They need you at Raw tonight. I'm like, Yeah, okay. 
And he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, okay, okay. So, I, like, I'm literally, like, doing O.J. Simpson through the Louisville airport. Like, I'm soaked in my clothes, <laughs> and I get to the door, and they're shutting the door, and I'm like, no! Like, one of those slow-motion things you see on a commercial. No! <laughs> so, I'm like, I got to get on this flight. You got to let me on. So, I pretty much begged my way onto that flight. Ended up getting delayed anyway. And then made it into Dallas late, missed my connection, and I called the office. I'm like, hey, you know, just landed in Dallas. The connection was delayed. I'm, I'm going to miss that flight. And they're like, okay, hold on. We'll have the, we have the uh, WWE corporate jet coming to get you. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so ended up getting a ride on the WWE corporate jet out of it, sat there on the plane and reviewed what I was going to be doing, and uh, literally – Pulled into the arena like five, ten minutes before my segment. I'm like, like I, I think I got dressed in the back of a limo, actually. And I was like, I literally got out of the car right in and did my segment. It was crazy. Like, what, a, wow. what a day. What a day. Wow, it's crazy. Was that the only time you ever flew on the jet? Yeah. Yeah, they don't let us little people on the jet. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I guess not. Right? Yeah, that's crazy. But what an experience. I mean, were you like nervous? Is that like one of those things where you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is uh, kind of like putting you through the grinder? Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like corny or cliche or anything, but I wasn't nervous. Like I played football in front of 90,000 people and, you know, was always the star athlete on all my team. So I was always used to people like looking at me. So, I mean, I was like, yeah, this is pretty fun. Like, it didn't, like, register with me, like, that there were 7 million people at home watching and that the next week my catchphrase would be, like, a common term and everybody would know me and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm an entertainer, dude. I I, you know, I was picked to do an uh, angle, and I was just out there trying to do it the best that I could. And, you know, my mom and dad always tell me, just do the best you could, and the cream will always rise to the top. So that's what I do, and that's what I did, and they gave me the ball, and I ran with it, and then, you know, had a hell of a run. It was fun. Had a great storyline, great angle. I mean, we're still talking about it 16 years later. So, but, yeah, oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's uh, it's flattering. The thing is, it's it's like Kane. It's such a mainstay, and he, obviously at that point too. But I mean, man, he was such a mainstay with WWE. Was that kind of a great thing for you? Like, wow, I start off immediately feuding with a top guy that's been there forever. Well, ironically, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. So, not only that, but it was kind of like cool to be able to do a storyline with your favorite wrestler. And then on top of that, he was actually a really good guy to work with, and helped me out a lot. You know, setting up the matches and character stuff and all that kind of stuff. So I owe him a, a lot, and always said, you know, said I've always said it from day one. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have got the opportunity because he could have easily said. You know, I don't really want to work with that guy. I don't feel the chemistry or, you know, anything. And I, I would have been sent on my way. Glenn could have uh, Glenn could have uh, nipped that in the bud right away. He didn't. So, you know, very fortunate that he liked working with me and liked me. And, and uh, you know, we did our thing. And it was, at the time, historic. And, and you know, I'm, I'm proud to have been involved with it. And like I said, we're still talking about it you know, 16 years later. So as a performer, that's what you want. You want people to enjoy your work. So, you know, somebody yep. must have enjoyed it. <laughs> it's so funny because when they bring you in, it's not like, oh, Schnitzky's debuting. It's just like you're in there with Kane. You hit him with the chair. You know, he hits Lita, and obviously we're going to have the, the miscarriage. Did, like, you, did you, like, the people backstage, were they, like, surprised? Like, wow, this, like, got over a lot more than we thought it would. Oh, honestly, I don't really know. I never really, like, cared what other people thought, to be honest with you. Like, I just, like I said, I tried to do the best I could with what they gave me. The only person I was answering to was Vince, so, you know, I wasn't worried about what everybody else had to think or what they thought or, you know what I mean? And it's funny because there's no way that you can get away with that today. There's just no way, like, in, in today's environment, they're going to have, a you know, a baby killer, quote-unquote, uh, you know, the guy that did that. Uh, I feel like the crowds today, right? They might go crazy and, and boycott or do something silly and be against this angle. Yeah, probably. I mean, everybody's, uh, you know, complaining about something these days. So it wouldn't surprise me. 
feel like the catch rate is like you mentioned before, it wasn't my fault. It's not my fault. That got over huge and almost shockingly. So because you almost said it in passing and then like the, the next promo, it was kind of really emphatic, but I just think that it's great that we still say the catchphrase. So many people, as soon as you say that, immediately you come to mind. Is that something great, like to have a catchphrase that lives in the lore of professional wrestling? Yeah. It's, like I said, it's flattering, man, because I literally to this day get it probably three to five to ten times a day, every single day. Wow. Be on Facebook or Instagram or in person or my wife jokingly will say it to me or yeah, it's crazy. Like that, it's just, and I always joke around, and I'm like, I created the greatest catchphrase ever. It goes for, it goes for anything. It, it works in every scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Hey, this happened. Wasn't my fault. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And everybody does it, and everybody says it. That's the funny thing. Like everybody's always like, "Oh, it wasn't my fault." <laughs> <laughs> Who actually? created that catchphrase is is it a writer or are you saying that off the cuff no nah, just me uh, saying it off the cuff when jr was interviewing me and i was yeah i think it, i think the question was something to the to the uh effect of well how come yeah uh, how do you say it? don't you have any remorse for what happened to lita and i like just basically said well you know jr it's not my fault she was in the ring and that's, <laughs> that's literally how it started it was crazy so the next week, when you said even more emphatically, did like the writers or, or Vince or somebody pick up on it? Like that was great. That's going to be the catchphrase. Actually, Stephanie came to me and she, she basically made it very clear to keep saying it as many chances as I get. So yeah, it was kind of funny. Was she uh, in charge of the writing team at that point? She actually worked. She produced all my segments back then, uh, and I worked uh, with. Uh, Oh, Dan Madigan. Dan Madigan wrote most of the storyline, and then Steph was a producer for pretty much all the segments that we did. And yeah, it was uh, it was fun, man. I, I had a lot of fun with that that little storyline. How was she to work with? She was fine. I mean, you know, a lot you know a lot of creative input and stuff like that. And you know, I liked working f- with her. She was you know. She gave good direction and helped me with my stuff. So, I, you know, came you know, I watching it back, it came out really good. So, you know, it's uh, you know, pretty cool that you know all that stuff stuck. And looking back on it now, it's still entertaining and still good to watch. I, I like uh, like if people come up to me at the shop and be like, "Hey, I saw you on the WWE Network," I'm laughing. It just cracks me up like the stuff's still out there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I feel like people like the older stuff more than they like the current wrestling. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. Most people that stop at the shop to talk wrestling are usually, you know, boy, the Attitude Era was so good. You know, today it's uh, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, I get it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, the general census of people that I talk to is basically that they like the older, like the Attitude Era stuff better. When you originally got signed, did they say you were going to be babyface, or they said you were going to be heel? Because obviously you end up turning heel in the feud with Kane. But what, like initially, did they even have that kind of described to you? No, like I said, they didn't even have me booked for the Monday Night Raw. Like somebody yep. dropped the ball somewhere, and yeah, like I'm literally like, like I said, in the middle of the ring doing drills at OVW, and I had to stop what I was doing. I'm soaked in my clothes. I had to get undressed get to my apartment, get my stuff together, and fly out to Seattle. Like, Or no, that was the first week with Seattle. This was the, the second week was Arizona. So I'm, like, trying to pack, you know, literally pack for a weekend trip in as fast as possible. <laughs> it was crazy. Like I said, I was soaked through my clothes when I got to the gate. I was literally sprinting through the airport. It's crazy. I just love the the feud with Kane because it's like these two monsters. Like, I'm more of an old school family. You know, a lot of the guys today are very small, but you're huge. Obviously, Kane's huge. So it's like two monsters going at it. Taboo Tuesday, New Year's Revolution, the cage match. The end of the feud really was kind of like, you know, that, that brutal cage. Is that something where, you know, you expected to win the feud, lose the feud? Like, what was your kind of thought? You are just happy to be wherever you were? Uh, I didn't expect anything to be honest with you. I mean, they're always like changing stuff last minute and, and ad-libbing and stuff like that. 
So I didn't really expect anything. I, you know, I was just trying to, like I said, my mindset at the time was just, you know, take advantage of the opportunity, do as good as I could with everything they give me, and hopefully it works out. Like, that was basically my attitude the whole time. Because they get, I mean, let's face it, they give you some off-the-wall stuff to do, and people are either going to love it or hate it. So if you if you try to put your heart and soul into it and make it feel as authentic as possible, people will catch on to it. They can tell when you're, you know, like faking it, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of kind of off-the-wall stuff that they had to do, at one point you are punting a baby. <laughs> Yeah. What was that like? I mean, that, hilarious as a fan from my perspective. But what was that like for you? Uh, you know, it's it's funny because like I wasn't honestly thinking anything of it when I you know we rehearsed it. Like uh, you know, Vince would you know I can remember him saying to me, Smith, "Don't fuck this up." And I, <laughs> I, I, I true this is an honest to god true story. I looked at him and I went, Vince, don't you worry. I was an all area punter in high school. This is going to be great. And he's like, okay. And then after after we did it and it came off so well, he was like, oh, I said, I told you it was going to be great. <laughs> is that, is that true? Were you a punter? Yeah. Yeah, I was already a punter in my junior year of high school. Averaged almost 40 yards a punt in high school, dude. 30, oh, very good, yeah. 36.8 or something like that. Yeah, so I was laughing. I always tell that story. I'm like, yeah, I was already a punter, and I was telling Vince and yada yada. He's, they always, you know, it's like, oh my god, really? Like you, you know, were you really a punter? <laughs> <laughs> I love it because I could picture him be like, don't fuck this up, punt this baby. Like him getting really into it. Yeah, he was. He's like, you only get one chance. It's life to be. Don't fuck it up. Give that thing a kick. Just kick it as hard as you can, but don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. Did you ever say, like, uh, Vince, is this a little weird? <laughs> I'm going to be punting a baby. No. <laughs> like, just kind of crazy storyline? No. Anybody that knows me knows I'm kind of out there anyways. I, I'll, you know, I was always the kind of guy that would do anything for a reaction. So, yeah, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, this is, you know, cool. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking to myself, hell, I'm on Monday Night Raw, live TV. I'm on Jericho's highlight reel with Lita and Jericho and, yeah, I was just like, I was just thinking to myself, man, this is awesome. So funny. And like you said about the wasn't my fault and killing the baby, that was memorable. Then this is like even more memorable because you never, ever see that anywhere. Somebody literally just takes the baby out of the stroller and punches. It's just one of those things like you can't forget it. It's it's hilarious, but it's also like, you know, shock TV. It's like, holy crap, I can't believe they just did that. Yeah. And another thing that I just thought was, even maybe creepy, I guess you could say, or, or homoerotic or just plain weird. I mean, just weird stuff was going on with the Heidenreich pairing. He says to you, you know, I like the way you handle babies, and you said I like your poetry. What was that all about? I mean, that just seemed like an insane pairing, too. Yeah, they were supposed to uh, – well, they had talked about doing a tag team with him and I, and he was with Paul at the time. And uh, so they started, like, teasing it, and then – I don't know if, uh, like, somebody was, like, didn't want to work with us or Vince didn't. Like, I don't know the the whole backstory to it, but they ended up not going with the tag team. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I never really got the full story on it. But, yeah, it was. uh, it would have been really good if they would have let us go with it. What did you think about that promo? Because that was just, I don't know, it was, like, creepy but weird, but kind of effective in, in, in a way. Well, I mean, that's what we were shooting for. We wanted it to be as creepy and, like, uncomfortable as possible. So that's what we did. <laughs> did you really like his poetry? That's that's a real question. I love poetry. I just wrote a couple <laughs> syllogies before. It's, it's insane. <laughs> I do think that that tag team could have been something. I mean, it's two monstrous guys, you know, six five plus. Uh, as a team and kind of uh, taken over, that would have been a good team. Do you think that you could have had a good chemistry with Heidenreich? Oh, we did have a good chemistry. It was great. I mean, yeah, I got uh, I got a lot of uh, people mentioning that too. So it's it's kind of funny the two things people remember: the baby stuff and the weird Heidenreich stuff. Yeah, definitely some memorable moments uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
you did have some good placement in the card. Obviously, main event of Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble, you're interfering in the Taker Heidenreich match. I mean, they do think a lot of you, and you have a good placement. You happy with your your place in the card as you're moving along your time in the WWE? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't really. I mean, you do, but you don't have control over that. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. I mean, you know, I I don't know. I, I was just like I said, man. I just took what they gave me. Tried to make it the best, most entertaining segment on the show. So that's all I was really worried about was entertaining the fans. I wasn't worried about, you know, first match, sixth match, eighth match. You know, I, I'm an actor. I'm an entertainer. You know, I'm not just a wrestler. So it's like, to me, it was more the entertainment, you know, performance aspect of it. I just wanted to have the most entertaining performance that I could offer. And that's just kind of the mindset I had. And with Edge and Lita, they kind of, a little bit later on, they kind of go back and Lita was saying, oh, uh, thank you, Schnitzky, for killing the baby because I didn't want to have a, a hell spawn from Kane. That's kind of like another you know, funny line thrown out there. It's like, wow, that's kind of intense. Yeah. That was, I mean, the story itself is like, you know, obviously pushing the envelope, but it was funny and it was entertaining and, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I had a blast with it. You know, I still I still get a laugh every once in a while. Like the poem at the wedding that I did for Edge and Lita. Like it's just like goofy shit. It's but it was fun. Another thing was the foot fetish gimmick. I thought it was like okay now like you know now they're really kind of testing it. Do they ever do stuff like that to see like how far like you'll go? They were like kind of say like all right, we'll do we'll do this. There's no way he'll do this, and then all of a sudden like you're like yeah, I'll do it. I don't care about doing a foot fetish gimmick. Uh, not really. I mean, like they never. Not that I was aware of, anyways. Like I, I can't imagine anybody would pass up any offer that you know Vince. You know Vince was. That's just how Vince was, man. He was like off the wall guy. That's just how he is. But I mean, to my knowledge, I I never heard anything to confirm. You know that anything like that happened. What do you think of Vince? Mad genius, crazy, but uh, but obviously good businessman. Uh, what's the word? Obsessive. Like he's like doesn't sleep much. Is always going, going, going. Uh, I always got along with him. I, I mean, I got along with him fine. I never had, you know, had any, I never had any will or bad terms with him, so, yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. He's, I mean, he's still, you know, if the shows were in the area, like, I took my wife up to Willisbury to meet some of the guys last time they were up there. You know, they're always welcoming and always, you know, give me passes to come to the, to the back and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it's all good. So, good current relationship with WZ, that's good. Yeah. yeah. They just did a. Uh, they just came to my house and filmed the "What Would You uh, Where Are They Now," and uh, filmed us working out. Filmed, you know, the shop. Filmed us four wheeling. I think. Hey, honey. Hon, how many views is the video up to? There's like uh, almost 1.7 million views on the. On it. That's awesome. Where are they now? I guess uh, via YouTube. Yeah, I think it's on. It's definitely on the network, and it's I think on YouTube. Pretty sure it's on YouTube. That's awesome that they uh, obviously thought enough of you. Like, hey, you know, I think that we uh, can do something with this, and, and it'll get views, and you know, we'll get some interest out of this for sure. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, I was kind of flattered that they that, uh, asked us to do it because. You know, they literally came to my house, set up right in my you know, great room, and filmed us working out. You know, followed us, you know, over to the shop and did a whole setup at the shop, and then we went four wheeling after that. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty inclusive. Who actually gives you the call and, and sets that up? Actually, the producer of the segment called me. He was like, hey, just reaching out to see if you have any interest in doing the the show for a network, I was like, yeah, sure. So that was, that was all. He just called me to set it up, and then we set it up. And he came all the way out to little old Orleansburg, Pennsylvania, and we filmed it. And, you know, seems to have uh, gotten a pretty good response from the fans. So 
Very cool. Did, does that mean there's any possible chance of a return in the works, or is that not even something you would consider or even think about? Well, it's not in the works, but, I mean, if there was enough zeros behind the first number, never say never. <laughs> Good point. Now, when you kind of go through your career, you look at it, you did have a couple main events on Raw against John Cena. What did you think about, like, the Cena era? I know they were kind of going through a Batista era for a little bit and then really became the, the John Cena era. John's a great guy, man. He uh, he was super easy to work with, always, you know, trying to make you look good and make the match good. Very unselfish worker. I enjoyed working with John. John's, John's an A1 in my book. Then, you know, eventually later on, to give you that new gimmick, uh, basically I think it was around 2007, like it's a psycho madman kind of look. You have the yellow teeth, which is really disturbing. You had the marks on your face, no eyebrows, and a shaved head. What did you think about this gimmick and this new look? Uh, honestly, I kind of fought it at first because I told Vince, I was like, hey, I'm going to look just like, you know, Kane. He was like, yeah, but you'll be on a different show, so it'll be okay. I was like, uh, I don't really want to do it. How about I just keep a goatee? And he's like, no, shave it all off. I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it, and then I had to paint my damn teeth every night at every show, so that sucked, and then, you know. But on a positive note, I got another action figure out of it, too. <laughs> that is a good kind of way to spin it if you think about it. Yeah, you're like, hey, maybe I'll get a, a new doll out of this or a new figure. That's pretty cool. It didn't get, like, the like the yellow teeth. Was that, like, really necessary? Was that really needed for the gimmick? Uh, it makes two of us. It was literally, like, just Vince coming up to me and being like, hey, go to the makeup lady and see what they could do with making your teeth look bad and shave off your eyebrows and your hair. And, uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll see, we're going to put you on ECW. I was like, okay. So, like, once Vince makes his mind up to do something, it ain't, it ain't going to change. So. Yep. I, like I said earlier, took what they gave me, tried to make the best of it, tried to be the best performer I could with the character, and that was kind of what I did. You're right, ECW, you know, you had a winning streak, and then they kind of moved you back to Raw. Was there any, like, ever any plans in the works to get, like, a, a bigger push or do something else with you, or that never discussed you just did what you were told and you were just kind of barreling on through? Uh, when I was tag team with Goldust, we were supposed to win the belts, but then he had a meltdown and ended up getting fired or left the company or something, and then that left me in limbo for a little while. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, that was one of the things I know for sure. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. I don't. I try not to look in the rearview mirror. I try to look ahead out of the the uh, front window. So hindsight's always twenty twenty. But it definitely would have been nice to been the tag team chance for a little bit. For sure. Now the release in, from WB in two thousand eight. Like, was that a surprise to you? Like, like did they give you a reason? How did that call come about? Uh, it was kind of one of those things where I had a meeting with Vince and I I basically told them. In a nutshell, I don't want to be here collecting a check if I'm not going to be on the show. I'm not going to ride the bench. I never rode the bench in anything I've ever done in my life, and I'm not going to do it here. And he was like, well, let me see what we can do, and, you know, maybe we can move you to SmackDown, and, you know, yada, yada, and blah, blah, blah. And then two days later, uh, Johnny called me. He's like, hey, you know, don't think we're going to – Continue on, yeah, you know, all like excuse after excuse, and I was like, that's fine. I told I told Vince what I had to say, and I left on good terms. And you know, it is what it is. I'm not, you know, I don't hold any ill will or regret it. I mean, you know, that's just how I felt. I didn't want to just be there collecting the check. Some guys are happy to be on the team and get the sweatsuit, not me. Very true. Very true. What is Johnny Ace like? I mean, everyone kind of has an Ace story or something that they have an opinion on Johnny Ace. What do you think about Johnny? Uh, he's he's okay in my book. I have nothing bad to say about the guy. He was always fair and, you know, treated me well. Now, as we hit the wind down and we head towards the finish, just got to ask, you've been doing movies and TVs. You had all these kind of cool roles. Is that something you always aspire to do post-wrestling? Yeah, it was always something I wanted to do. I uh, co-produced, starred in, co-wrote, did the stunt coordinating and the fight coordinating for my movie called 100 Acres of Hell, which is available at walmart.com 
and on all the streaming services, Prime and all that, Voodoo and all that kind of stuff. Check it out. It's an award-winning independent horror film. We won the best horror feature, horror feature film at the Philadelphia Film Festival, so that was cool. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, just something I always knew I was wanting to do. I always loved horror movies, and as a kid, you know, Friday the 13th, you know, Halloween, still to this day, probably my two favorite horror movies. And I uh, was fortunate enough to meet Victor Miller at one of the conventions I did. His table was like a table away from mine. And he, uh, if people don't know, he wrote the original screenplay for Friday the 13th for the first film. And uh, he's an award-winning writer on daytime soap operas as well, believe it or not. And uh, him and I just became, you know, friends over a cigar and started uh, telling him about the screenplay for the film. And he was like, yeah, send it to me. I'd love to read it. So he read it, loved it, endorsed the film. And... uh, just, uh, you know, super flattered because, like I said, Friday the 13th is probably one of my all-time favorite films. And then to get the, the meet, and not only meet, but become friends with the guy who started it is kind of, you know, super cool. That is awesome. I didn't realize it was so highly acclaimed. That is great. I mean, you're doing very well with that. Is that something like in WB, you're like, okay, I'm going to develop this, and I think I'm going to, you know, use these skills on developing WB and doing, you know, some acting and, you know, create my own horror film? Uh, you know, like I said, when I was a kid, I always wanted to play pro football, wrestle in WWE, and do horror films. So it's kind of like I just said – set the goals and just try to attain them and then move on to the next thing. I don't want to be like put in a box. Like, you know, like I said, I'm not just a pro wrestler. I'm also, you know, I'm in the Pennsylvania sports hall of fame. I played division one college football at Missouri. You know, I went to the NFL combines, like all that kind of stuff. Like I'm not just a wrestler, but I love performing. I always, you know, always have been like a class clown kind of guy. and drove my poor mother nuts when I was a kid. You know, thinking I was Spider-Man and Batman and, you know, hey, mom, watch this. Hey, oh, mom, hey, look at this. That poor woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh, always, always wanted to do it. And, you know, I took the opportunity with the name I made, you know, myself with wrestling and, you know, gathered up the troops and called in a lot of favors and, you know, it came out great, came out even better than I expected and, you know. Like I said, it's an award-winning film, and man, it's just cool to, you know, all the years of effort and hard work that was put into it to finally see it come to fruition, because we put a darn near close to 10 years, 11 years into that project. So, yeah, I'm thrilled to uh, finally be able to say we did it, and it's out there, it's available, like I said, at walmart.com, Amazon Prime, Voodoo, all those kind of things. Check it out. It's 100 Acres of Hell, 100 Acres of Hell. It's uh, being distributed by Indican Pictures, Lionsgate, and uh, keep your eye out for it. Get it on demand or, you know, order your copy at walmart.com. It's awesome to see kind of like ex-wrestlers dominate another field. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes you see like, oh, a wrestler, they wrestle and they never hear from again. It's awesome when when they actually have great success other way, other ways, it's just kind of a, I don't know, to me, you know, as a fan, it's always like, that's great to see. Well, thanks. I'm uh, I consider myself a pretty successful guy. I put my nose to doing something and I, I tend to get it done. So uh, lucky to be involved with a good business and have a great wife and a nice house. And, you know, I can't, you know, I can't complain about a damn thing. I have a great life. And very fortunate. I come from a small coal mining town in northeast Pennsylvania and has one stoplight. But I was always the guy that would tell you what I was going to be doing someday. And you'll be seeing me doing this and seeing me doing that. People look at me like I was nuts. But I knew I was going to do it, and nobody was going to tell me otherwise. So, you know, I was uh, one of those guys, if you told me I couldn't do it, I'd try ten times harder to prove you wrong. I love it, though. You're like, you're right. Football to wrestling, to the acting world, and even the producing world. It's a pretty successful run you had. And just want to mention SWF one last time, and that is Resurgent this Saturday, 1010 in Colts Neck, New Jersey. 
Go to SWF Live Pro Wrestling on Facebook for more information. Of course, ESSpromotions.com with the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Sims, who you obviously and me, we both know and love. And then, of course, on Sunday the 11th with KNS WrestleFest will be a virtual signing via their Facebook Live page starting at 10 a.m. As far as you, what are some of your social media plugs? Well, since I've already mentioned the film, you can check out the film at 100 Acres of Hell. It's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, obviously, check out my shop, PriorityOneSurplus.com. We got all kind of good stuff. Check that out. And then, you know, obviously me, The Real Snitsky on Instagram, and Big Gene Snitsky on Twitter. Hit me up on one of those. Let me know if you saw the film. Let me know what you thought. I'm... uh, Excited to be able to, you know, interact with the fans again tomorrow. So everybody check out SWF Resurgence. That's going to be exciting. Like I said, I think we have over 150 pre-sales already. And, uh, you know, I'm pumped about that. And then, you know, obviously the signing with uh, KNS. Also looking forward to that. You know, getting to interact with some of the fans and, you know, get wrestling back out there and get the people excited and, and entertained again. Awesome stuff. Snitsky, it's been a long time coming to get you on the show. Finally glad we're able to do it. Awesome stuff from you, of course. And I just keep thinking back to your great punting of the baby, you know, the, the miscarriage angle, you being the baby killer, and, of course, the awesome catchphrase, it wasn't your fault. I just loved it. Well, I thank you very much for that. I'm flattered. As a performer, it means a lot to be remembered and people talking about your stuff 14 years later. So I'm, I'm flattered. I'm humbled. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And thanks to all the fans that were listening. And, you know, look forward to seeing each and every one of you out there on the the wrestling scene someday. And reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter. And, you know, always, uh, always nice to see the fans and talk to the fans. So hit me up. And and, uh, like I said, check out the film, 100 Acres of Hell, Walmart.com or any of the streaming services. Check it out. Oh, I think it's also available on Indican Pictures website too, if you'd like to actually get a copy of it through them. But anyways, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks again to all the Snitsky fans out there. Without you guys there'd be no Snitsky, so I appreciate that. And you know, keep watching wrestling, keep supporting the craft. A lot of guys coming up through the ranks now that you'll see on WWE or AEW or somewhere out there someday. So keep grinding and Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.